back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. All right, so we're addressing the homeless problem in Denver, probably better than Mayor Johnston is, better than Mayor Hancock, better than Mayor Hickenlooper, who have just continued to perpetuate this problem. And you as the listeners, you need to be fed up with it. That this program of just this idea of creating government programs of just handing out and and facilitating addiction to the point where people are dying because we're afraid to step in and actually help people in the way that works. We cannot just pass it off. And I want to tell you, do not give handouts. That doesn't help. Do not continue to support these government programs that just perpetuate addiction you got to get involved with groups like Step Denver. All right, so Paul Scudo, Executive Director of Step Denver. Paul, you were just sharing your story. You ended up on the street. So how did you get out of it? You're, you're divorced, two years addicted, oh, on the street. Many years addicted. Many years addicted. Two years homeless two years from homeless. the addiction. So uh, you, 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 I'm thinking right now just I have this vision of, of Mayor um, – or of Kaufman, he went and lived for a week or two weeks homeless, and I and he barely made out of it. What did you do two years? Were you sleeping on people's couches, or were you actually under overpasses or living in tents? Yeah, um, I was actually hiding okay. in parks, under bushes, behind dumpsters. I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. I wasn't in one of those tents. I wasn't going to shelters. I wasn't taking handouts. I wasn't flying a sign on the corner. I was, I could not understand how someone that had everything could Mm. lose it all. Mm. Someone that was given every opportunity in life, right? I thought I was immoral, unethical. I was weak-willed, I had no willpower, I made bad choices, I must just be a bad person. Why did God do this to me? I didn't understand the disease of addiction, Jeff, right? And that that takes away the ability for logical, rational decision-making. A chemical process uh, occurs in your brain, and I'm not gonna get into the science of it, but I couldn't understand, so I was embarrassed. So what I did was I knew when Einstein's bagels was going to throw out the day-old bagels. (laughs) And so I was out there hiding, waiting for him to throw them away, went and filled up my backpack. Every morning at 4 a.m., once the bars had let out and everybody left, I would walk into the city and I would walk along where the meters are and I would pick up the change that the drunk people dropped (laughs) as they fed the meters. And my goal was to get $3.85 so I could be at the liquor store when it opened to buy a pint of vodka to blot out the misery that was my life. I lived in oblivion. And so you would just wander kind of drunk during the day, huh? No, I would get it. I would go back to hiding places and I would just drink until I was hammered. Really? And I would pass out and I would wake up and do it again the next day. What was the pain that finally got you out of that? When were you like, I, I, I'm done with this? So uh, it got so cold one day that I went to the library to get warm. Yeah. All right. And 
something told me, and I didn't know what it was at that time. I know what it is now, right? Something told me, go check your email. And so I opened up my email for the first time in two years. And there were hundreds and hundreds of emails from people. Where are you? Where are you? Are you okay? And the most recent one was my best friend. And something made me respond. And I wrote this big, huge email and told him everything. Here's what happened. Here's what I'm doing. Uh, This is what my life is like. And he immediately came back. Where are you? Hmm. And I sent him at the library. And he said, stay right there. And he came and got me. And I was so broken and so tired and so exhausted and so ashamed that when he said, do you want help? Are you ready for help? I said, yes. And they put me into treatment and I did everything they said Mm. for 90 days. And then they said, you need to go to sober living for a year. And I went to sober living for a year. And I got engaged in a 12-step program and made connections with peer recovery communities and started volunteering at at the treatment center, went back to school and got my addiction education Mm. and then ended up becoming a counselor at the treatment center i worked for how does that story connect with guys going through that program i mean does it give them hope it does they see you i mean you look great you got a wedding ring on are you married now i am remarried to a woman i met in recovery actually we were in treatment together that's usually frowned upon but we didn't (laughs) we didn't start dating till we got out of treatment but to your point the peer piece, the lived experience piece, yeah, right. has a major impact on the people you help. 16 of our 17 program employees are graduates of our program. They went through what I went through. They came through Step Denver. They rebuilt their life. Then they made it their vocation to come back and help people. You know, I believe that this peer recovery methodology works because I can look at you and you know that I've been through what you've been through. I felt your pain. I've done the things you did. I felt the way you felt. And I can say to you, Jeff, this is what my life was like. This is what I did. This is what my life is like now. And I want to help you have that same life. Are you a unicorn though? I mean, your ability to to keep that at bay and to live the life that you're doing now, to come through that, uh, how often do the guys relapse back into it? I mean, or, or are you able to actually build a program that helps people get out of this? There are thousands of people with a story just like mine. Really? I see them come through step. I see them in the 12-step meetings. I see them come through other programs. It's just when they go through that program, they are willing to do whatever is suggested and they take responsibility for themselves. They put in the effort, they get get out of the victim mentality and they say, I have to do this and I'm gonna do it with the help of these other people, right? So no, I'm not unique, I'm not a unicorn, Thousand millions of people have recovered from the disease of addiction by following these principles. Wow. Paul Scudo, executive director of Step Denver. All right, so people hear this and go, that's working. 
I'd rather give my money to that than just hand it to people on the street because that's probably just facilitating addiction. So how do they get involved with Step Denver? We'd be grateful if your listeners would support our mission. They can go to stepdenver.org. That's stepdenver, all one word, dot org. The upper right-hand corner is a red Donate Now button. They can hit that, choose a variety of different ways to support us. Also, our website has a very thorough explanation of our program, how it works, why it works, and our impact. We actually collect data that shows the efficacy of the program, and people can go to that. If you or someone you know that is 21 years of age and older and a man need help, Hmm. you can go to stepdenver.org. And it will direct you to how to get in touch with us. You can also come downtown to 2029 Larimer Street. But folks can go to stepdenver.org. That's stepdenver.org. We've talked about your uh, story, but and we've only got a few minutes here. But uh, whose uh, story recently of someone that gets you really excited, that, that reminds you of why you're doing the work that you're doing? One of our uh, program employees who has recently been promoted to a case manager came to us. He was living at the corner of of Blake and 21st in one of those encampments, addicted to meth, strung out, miserable. Something called to him and said, right, you got to make a change. He showed up at our door with nothing on his back. No shirt, no backpack, no nothing, no shoes. And this guy came into our program, did everything we suggested, became an employee, worked his way up to be one of the case managers. This gentleman has rebuilt his his relationships with his family. His family wouldn't even talk to him. He's the caretaker for his nieces and nephews. He has found a relationship Mm. with God, and he does not even look or sound like the person he was. In each one of those people we see on the street, Jeff, is the spark of God. Mm. It's a person waiting, waiting to be saved. And it's our responsibility, and I'm so proud of this gentleman for making this his vocation to help the next person in the way he was helped. That's what God would have us do. That's right. Uh, brother, that, that speaks to my heart because uh, for those of us that are believers, you you read the stories of the Good Samaritan, you watch Christ's compare, uh, compassion and care for the poor. You go, that's part of being a Christian. I cannot write that off. I cannot ignore it. I can't say, well, that's somebody else's job. Every Christian needs to have compassion and care for those that are suffering and living on the streets. And I think what was so frustrating, Paul, executive director at Step Denver, is that uh, you saw every every effort put together by the government just continue to fail over and over again. This is the way forward, friends. StepDenver.org. Please go there. Be a part of what they're doing. Support this great organization. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Jeff, thanks so much for having me, and thank you to your listeners as well. God bless you. We'll be back next week. God bless you. Yeehaw.